0: Hey, welcome to Your Voice Matters podcast. This fourth season is entitled Voices for Change. In this regard, I will interview different industry experts, business leaders and change makers. My guests use their voice and expertise to make the world a better place. Many of my guests were at some point my clients, others not, but all of them have an important message to share with the world. Welcome to this episode. My special guest today is Ana Luisa Moura. She's an urban researcher with a background in architecture and urbanism, currently working at Delta Metropole uh, in Rotterdam, an independent research lab with expertise in metropolitan spatial development. In this post-pandemic era, and with the redefinition of the workplaces, the overarching question today is, how do we want to work and look at the workspaces now, and in the future. Welcome to this podcast, Luisa.
1: Hello, Inês. Thank you very much for this invitation to talk here uh, today at your podcast. Uh, Indeed, I'm I'm looking forward to to reply to your questions and to know what are you exactly uh, uh, curious about. Should I say a bit more about the perspective of my research before we go on?
0: Yes, please tell us because this is a very specific area and I want to make sure that everyone understands what uh, urbanist does And so I would ask you first to tell us a bit about your work. Uh,
1: So uh, the the Delta Metropole Association in Rotterdam focuses a lot on on research on a very big scale level. So even though, uh, and I got slowly an expertise in in working environments. So even though, like, I always keep in mind that uh, we are thinking about an actual working place where people sit and actually interact and and create labor somehow, um, my everyday tools are actually big-scale data analysis and and, uh, making of maps. And um, and in our uh, activity, we're actually some sort of um, storytellers, in the sense that uh, we analyze, for example, uh, a lot the Netherlands on a national level, regional level, and uh, we try to check uh, where are exactly, uh, where do people work, where are companies based, how are these places being uh, uh, developed, built, transformed, etc., to make sure somehow that we are making the right places for economic development and transformation. And then very often, of course, we have to zoom in and actually show what we are talking about on a high level, like uh, with photographs or with interviews, uh, with debates and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mostly we work on this very big scale. Uh, where are we actually making room for extra office space, industrial areas, or uh, a mixed living and working environments, etc.? So that's a bit my um, perspective into this topic.
0: And uh, I think we this is really a hot topic nowadays because uh, after uh, or living the, the the experience in this pandemic, we experimented different uh, setups and a very different work experience. So, and I know that right now we are redefining where do we want to work? How do we combine the working from home, going to the office? So what is your macro perspective about this? So how are the 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 urbanism thinking about this topic nowadays?
1: This, this is a very interesting question indeed, because... Uh, there, there are a lot of new narratives around about how you should be working, which kind of spaces we should provide for people to work in or not. Uh, there are a lot of trendy talks around this. And so uh, we have to uh, really know how to read these kind of uh, trends on a, on a macro level. Um, because if in one hand, for example, we notice that a lot of people that have a kind of a laptop-oriented job can actually work from home, on the other hand, we also see on a macro scale the tendency to design much more living environments uh, uh, instead of working environments or that we mix these two functions in such a way that we are actually creating a lot of homogeneous, uh, very standard kind of uh, office locations that might not be that flexible for a lot of professions. And then we have a bit of a red flag on uh, on a macro level. Um, so if it is true that's uh, uh, we did find out with the pandemics that a lot of jobs can can actually happen in different geographies, in our cities, uh, mm-hmm. um, in, in different buildings also. But we also must be aware that um, only a certain part of the population, with certain kinds of jobs, get directly affected with this, and also uh, have to realize this is kind of narratives uh, about uh, these trendy narratives of yeah, we can work smaller and remote and etc a very big impact on the kind of, uh, uh, on the redevelopment of of existing working environments, leading to higher prices of per square meter, for example, or leading to certain kinds of typologies uh, that are very good for certain jobs and not good for others because, yeah, job sets have the less, uh, um, like semi-industrial functions, for example, or, Well, maybe we can go more in detail slowly. (laughs) No,
0: can can you give us, I'm curious, uh, can you give us an an example about these higher prices for a square meter in certain areas? So what could be an example of this in the future?
1: Yes, for example, we, uh, I think we all realized, uh, we, I mean, people that live in a center of cities and so on, that we slowly saw certain functions being pushed away from centers, uh, from a lot mm-hmm. of neighborhoods, such a, like uh, garages, the mechanic, uh, and uh, big laundries. I don't know, certain functions that were a bit m- m- messier, bigger with a bit of uh, environmental impact, they have been slowly pushed away from uh, city centers. So cities become uh, cleaner, more expensive also, more primal, luxurious, more loungy maybe even, and certain functions are slowly pushed away. And this is certainly true for small manufacturing, for example, for a place where products are processed, uh, produced, made, uh, where we make stuff. And um, but these functions didn't didn't disappear; they are still can, taking place somewhere. So, but they were a bit pushed to the outskirts of cities somehow. Mm-hmm. And, and um, sometimes sometimes
0: uh, in foreigner countries. So that industrial yes,
1: work choices. Yes, literally, so well, what we what happened in the last decennia was actually that a lot of these functions were outsourced to other countries and that we could afford somehow to have cities that have a very strong focus on services instead of uh, making stuff, of course. But we still need that manufacturer and we still need it even more. And that was a very big discovery of the pandemic times that uh, Europe is not capable of producing its own stuff anymore. And that was a very scary feeling Outcome come that we couldn't produce our own uh, uh, masks, face masks and ventilators and so on? And mm-hmm. uh, I think very, very quickly, it was funny because I was busy with this research that was pretty abstract. And then suddenly everyone could understand these worries on a macro scale. Like, hey, we have to make space in Europe for this kind of manufacturer again. And mm-hmm. where are we making space for that? Actually, cities have been purging this kind of functions outside of their neighborhoods for quite a long time. And now with the with incredible prices of housing in the center of cities, uh, the price per square meter is, is so high that it makes it even harder to keep these functions close by. And, and of course we can say, well, but do these functions have to be in the center of our cities at all, right? That's a bit, mm-hmm. we, we can just maybe put them indeed in terrains outside of cities, in between cities on regional locations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, th- then it's when it become, becomes interesting, when we can, can start thinking about, OK, how do we want to work and produce stuff in the future? That's when it comes to the vision part of it. Mm-hmm. Do we want to keep on pushing uh, the ugly functions away from outside? So maybe not what the countries, but into the, in somebody else's backyard <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: or. Are we actually ready to embrace the idea of a circular economy, that taking responsibility for the stuff that we do, for the stuff that we produce and and, mm-hmm. and process, and so on? And mm-hmm. this is something that is very important um, message of the research that I do. And I really like, like from a social perspective, I hope I managed to pass this this, this message somehow. Mm-hmm. If we want to, if we want to a more sustainable economy in the future, working stuff that is more meaningful. Uh, to do jobs that actually matter, to be able to produce our own stuff, to be able to process our own stuff, recycle our own stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It we has to be in to, a we local,
0: have we have to learn how to do it in a local scale and not to exactly. push it away to a place where we, we don't see it. And it's very interesting, Louisa, exactly. that you, you brought the topic of uh, the workspaces, because when we think uh, about the workspace, uh, the common thought is thinking about an office, where you can go with your laptop, talk with your colleagues, and the workspaces are much, much more complex than that. And everything that we consume, it has to be produced and made by someone else. Um, and so it's not only the office work, but also all the other works that can't be remote. Also, that, let me introduce this concept of uh, remote work is not necessarily home office. You you can work remote from home or from. Another another space designed for that, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I know that uh, we have all we all have different experiences with home office, home working from home, uh, for from those who really like it and saw in that model a perfect model to to balance a lot of things uh, in their personal and professional life. Others really hated and they were keen to go back to the office as soon as possible. So, how is this? um what where is the line that nowadays in terms of space the line where is the line between our personal space and our workspace, and how can we you know look at it to to maintain our balance and all the, the things that we need you know is is this necessary to separate where we work and we live, or shall we try to combine this? What is your opinion on that
1: Yes, so uh I think we should claim this kind of line. And uh, of course, this is also my personal opinion. So I have a professional opinion and professional uh, perspective into this that links to my research. But of course, you're also asking me if you beat my opinion, I hope, I, I guess, no? Yes, I, I can think, give your opinion. Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> no, indeed. But this is a spatial translation all, also on a macro level. And uh, uh, just, just to round up also, before I go on in your in your question, This importance of of mixing, of mixing stuff very close to one another in cities is fundamental also to create innovation that we we really, really need towards a new economy. That we link the people that actually design to the people that uh, research, to the people that build, to the people that, you know, that we create tight circles between different professions and that we give them space in cities. So all these different Mm -hmm. professions must be able to afford a place in the city to to be able to work together. Mm -hmm. And this togetherness brings me to your to your question about uh, uh, where do we draw the line? We have been seeing the last uh, uh, decades also uh, increasingly more that the line between our personal life and our professional life becomes more and more thin, if not invisible at all. Uh, We all work a lot without actually getting paid for it in the most various jobs Uh, in some of them. Uh, it's a traditional non-paid job uh, that is a problem, such as uh, taking care of a family at home. Um, that's during Corona. Yeah, it was just assumed that you could do all these jobs at the same time, right? Taking care of kids and actually do your job still and taking care of your house, which was a crazy kind of thing to demand from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that we uh, uh, we keep on working, but for example, on social media after our working hours, uh, feeding into the work we actually do. I mean, we drag... This remoteness of of work, of intellectual, at least the service jobs, mm-hmm. uh, they get so much into one another that uh, that this has a very emotional, big burden on a lot of people. There's not for nothing that we have so many burnouts and there's yeah mm-hmm. that we cross a bit a line here. Yes. Huh? If
0: you have and, if uh, you have a, a cell phone with a with a email app, you mm-hmm. are already working from <laughs> you know when yes. you when you shouldn't be working.
1: Yes,
0: or yes.
1: seeing and emails all, or, yeah. Sure, and we are always working. It's like, uh, and, since, and that's a bit of a dangerous thing. And, and thinking from a spatial perspective. And I think it's very important that we claim this kind of spaces to work, that we don't all accept this narrative. Oh yeah, let's just build homes everywhere because you work from home anyway, don't you? It's not exactly mm-hmm. like that. Uh, it is much healthier that we are able to distinguish the spaces where we, uh, produce something for a particular uh, commissioner or a particular boss and so on and the places where we actually can enjoy our private life and have uh, be free from this kind of uh, uh, obligations and um one thing that is very important also is that we are we have less and less places where we come together uh, mm-hmm. and this makes it very hard to collectivize action in, in labor it's not like it's not nobody is linked to a union for example anymore or you don't really like so exactly. it's important
0: and we don't have the we don't have the the, the gra- garage where you can start a business not everyone has a garage or not everyone <laughs> yes. has space at home to be creative and uh, to gather a few colleagues and start on and start working on a project of course we are creative uh, for that but not not everyone can afford to do it at home and we don't have no. the you know the garages as as before or as yeah, in the well, us
1: you...
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least here in
1: europe yeah this that's kind of a, a little myth that's but it's not a myth you actually need places where you can get together and create new stuff and so uh, and it's a very healthy kind of different environment that, that requires space It requires square meters eh? and uh and so that's a funny example the, the garage you know if uh, uh if you have your grandpa's garage or your mom's garage, you can still have a little business inside of it. And mm-hmm. uh, and we are have less and less this kind of uh, uh, spatial opportunities to do this. And I think we should claim them, claim them from uh, uh, the spatial planning of our cities, of our neighborhoods. Uh, for example, here in my neighborhood, I see that I keep on seeing that the very few shops that are still available and could be used for a working environments, if not a shop anymore than a working environment are being sold to be transformed into housing. Um, and, and we are losing the that
0: spaces, that create the exactly. creative spaces. And then we have the, the co-works, but they aren't enough, and they are maybe designed for the the, the 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 kind of jobs where you have a laptop and you can work by yourself next to someone's desk, but not necessarily collaborating and creating a project, uh, uh, innovative project together. So,
1: Yes, I find I find that that typology very oppressive <laughs> because <laughs> it's it's very little what you can do there you know like oh, you, you have a little spot but you cannot really spread your stuff or for example I work in a in a co-working place actually we rent a space next to the other uh, independent entrepreneurs and we are the biggest uh, player there because we have a few of us uh, taking over huh? and uh, uh, some of the other people that are designing objects for example they were asked to take away their prototypes from the space because uh, it was too much. You're supposed to bring a laptop, but not much more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that the same because their products were amazing. That was their way of of sharing their knowledge and, 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 and uh, design skills with the rest of the group, you know? And that's I think that was a good example of like uh, oppressive openness, actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's this and is
0: shared. It, we share a space, but don't uh, push too much your your limits. like
1: it, uh, yes, exactly. Keep, keep and, it and, to and, you. Yeah. and also because it, it can be reasonably affordable. But if you're starting a business and, and have literally zero money, uh, zero income for quite a while, it is a burden it is already already like a some sort of obstacle you don't take that decision easily to assume an expense a monthly expense for a certain co-working space when your business is still nothing you know um mm-hmm. and uh, so there are some people speaking about subsidized working places now which is an interesting uh, uh um concept i don't know exactly what it's what it can lead to mm-hmm. um but for example, I think that when I came to li- to live in the Netherlands, so I'm Portuguese, you know, as you well know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so when I came to work in the Netherlands, squatting was still uh, permitted here, which was like an incredible uh, kind of reality, that you Can, can you can you explain what squatting is
0: because I don't know if all I, all, all people know what it is the concept because it's uh, very yeah, <laughs>
1: No, it's it's like a very old uh, sort of uh, impulse that if you see uh, in the beginning of the 80s um, there was a very big housing crisis in the Netherlands. It was very extreme, um, but there was a lot of speculation with real estate. So a lot of houses were empty and a lot of people didn't have houses. And it went so extreme and so acute that people just took the streets and there was a bit of blood and there was a bit of violence. Uh, but eventually they, there was a squat in movements for people that claim if we don't have houses, we will take over the property that is available, period. And we are going to get in and we're going to live there. And eventually mm-hmm. it passed in the law. There was no way of stopping that movement and people starts uh, occupying. And it only became forbidden again uh, in 2010, I think, 2011. Do you and think so, that so we, need, we moves, need that kind of... Uh, but
0: just interrupt. Do you, do you think that we need these kind of movements since we have... Th- so many. I'm just kidding. So many empty <laughs> offices in our city centers.
1: You know, we have. So uh, that's that's totally that's a very uh, subjective and political stance. You know, I can no, say, I, yeah, I, I I like that idea, but I won't make a lot of friends if I keep on um, trying <laughs> to push that. Let's say, so, so especially my professionals. So, so let's we have to be careful with that. But I totally think it was a very like so when I, I came here and that was still possible. There were countless you know, just countless places where people would, would co-work in a free way, the most different disciplines, the most different people came together. And I don't, I don't have the numbers yet, but I'm still going to do that research. How many architectural offices in the Netherlands had begun like this in a place where they had to pay virtually nothing for their mm-hmm. monthly rent? And I'm pretty sure they were able to grow and to develop and to become where they are nowadays because of this beginning. Eh? And, and in I the long and, that,
0: and in the long term, the, the the positive effect for economy.
1: Yes, yes, it's incredible. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think squatting make, made uh, I, I, it was so responsible. The, the affordability, the availability of so so much space uh, uh, for flexible use in the big Dutch cities have been. Played such a huge role in the creative development of this country. Now I, I witnessed it still, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was and it was a bit stigmatized, like in the media and everything. Like the agenda to push towards the prohibition of the, of squatting was quite strong, and eventually it won and it was over. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it showed how important it was to have affordable, flexible working places everywhere, a bit in the cities, in the big cities. Um, mm-hmm. and we we deeply we urgently need this kind of playgrounds if we want to achieve a new economic development, a more sustainable way of living and working. and um, this is important not only for social justice because a lot of flex labor and a lot of uh, uh, exploitation still takes place in big cities now and in a country like Netherlands
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we should it's, watch out and take care of. Hmm?
0: It's interesting that you mentioned uh, the playground concept because I think. Uh, many companies actually try to give this playground sensation that you go to your office and you have a ping pong table, you have video games, you have... But this is not the kind of playground we need to really innovate. No. (laughs) What do you think about that kind of offices? Because they are now out of uh, fashion, maybe. I don't know if I can say that, but maybe 10 years ago, it was very popular to have you know, this kind of conditions to employees. And right now we are seeing that uh, it's not exactly what uh, the employees want in terms of no, no I think having it's, fun. So, <laughs> or, once or again, once em- again
1: it, it, I think it's a crazy uh, oppressive concept also. And the concept of obligatory happiness at your workplace, that you should perform happiness at your workplace. And that's, uh, uh, luckily it's already uh, uh, going away. Um, and uh, so I think I think that was specially designed so that people could perform happiness, if not for themselves, but also for clients so that's you know to create a certain um, a certain identity of uh, I, I actually work in a place that had a ping pong table so I can uh, okay. I can be a witness a direct witness of this in in like two or three three years I think that I worked there. I only saw people using that ping pong table once hmm? once mm-hmm. but, but of course it created a very big impact in clients that would come by they would still see that getting out of the elevator and they would go wow this is like a fun company these these people must be really creative no that's the first impulse you have so like wow this, this mm-hmm. must be a really good place and uh and i think that had very strong marketing value to it but people didn't use it and um so mm-hmm. but at the same time so i i this is a confession that i have to do now because i think it's fun to always hack any situation of this kind. So I did go there in the evening once in a while when nobody was present anymore with my special uh, ping pong set mm? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, my, and my partner. <laughs> so you use it
0: after all. Yes, after all you use yes.
1: It. So in the evening when no, when nobody was there, I would go there with, with my partner and I would just have fun playing ping pong. And uh, that was very, very funny to do. It felt very... Um, uh it was not illegal I could have done it right? it was not that I broke in or something that no, we could still go in uh, but then that was our way of having fun with it that was totally not work related anymore so that was a bit of uh i think is yeah but having a ping pong future. table
0: having a ping pong table isn't you know it's not equal to have a happy job or uh especially because we lack a lot of meaning in our jobs. Uh, It's and it's not uh, something that a ping pong table in your workplace can address, right? Exactly, It's, it's that's a so, much yeah. more deeper subject. I don't know if we, we should go into that.
1: <laughs> no, but that's that's the oppressive, that's the oppressive side of it. Is that you're you're invited in such working in, in such spaces? Let's talk about space again. In architecture, you're in, you're invited to perform in a certain way in these places. Uh, and that's oppressive because it goes beyond if you're not satisfied or if you're not actually feeling relaxed at all. It feels extra oppressive that you have a ping pong table next to you that's like, well, maybe you should be playing. But you have zero time to play with it. it like mm-hmm. that was the case in here. It's not people they didn't like to play ping pong. Nobody had time to do that at all, even during the working hours. So mm-hmm. why, why would you play in the first place? Like that was, that was a crazy idea. And yeah.
0: Um, it's so interesting that the the we see in the movies that uh, and we see we also we we were uh, of course living that in the past decades that the workplaces uh, re- reflected society and how what is expected from you uh, in terms of work. So we. Maybe in the eighties or I don't know, maybe later in in the nineties, you had the cubicles. Like you were working, yeah. the, the works, the workplaces. You had a little space uh, with I don't know one two square meters for yourself, and you had all walls to divide that that place, so you can can't couldn't see your colleague. Then you had the open space, uh, the movement. And right now you have these collaborative uh, spaces and uh, more innovative. And then we have this thing that you can work from home. So it's actually this reflects a lot what is expected from an employee, or what is the culture that uh, the company wants to implement. The space around, well, how the, the space is designed, actually.
1: Yes, indeed. Like uh, it's it's funny. This um, the, the the open space. You cannot hide yourself anymore. So this kind of performative behavior. I think okay, it's good that we start here saying that we are talking about a very specific type of work environments of like service providers, people that can work on a laptop. We are speaking about the working environments of a very of a small chunk of the population now of course it's not mm-hmm. right so to mm-hmm. make that clear maybe the work that me and you are more familiar with so let's be let's talk about our own expertise here then
0: and maybe um, our listeners but the thing is this is just yes. a chunk a chunk of all the works that exists. and sometimes exactly. we're just a, so a we used it. to go to an office that we forget the, the fabrics we forget the yeah. the manufacturing work uh, and all the others that exist yeah
1: yeah but but okay in in our in our kind of work at least in in my area in architecture urban planning and so on uh, uh, we miss very strongly the link to this prototyping and building industry for example we miss actually to be close to the, this kind of other jobs that have that don't work necessarily with the laptop but work in the building industry I would I would love to have that kind of link that would link to more uh, innovation. And meaning in our working environments. You know, yeah, this is what we are designing for. This is what we're researching on. This is going to be built. This is going to be done in this way or the other. These are the people that are actually going to do something with it. You know, like uh, the building foundations, the the, the asphalt the, uh, producers. You know, so this mm-hmm. kind of stronger link within all these uh, different disciplines is not only more sustainable in our economy. It also could give more meaning. To all these service jobs that we have, you know, mm-hmm. and okay, but we are going. I'll pick up on that soon again. But just to speak about the co-working spaces, um, it's a very funny uh, uh, concept that uh, you feel that you have been being, uh, ob- observed. Also, in on one hand, the open space office environments are meant for this kind of sharing of work and and to be in contact collaboration. With at once. Collaboration. That's. Yeah, transparency yeah that's kind of the the pretty side of the story but the other side of the story is that you feel that you've been observed at all times and that is also the truth uh in a sense that uh uh you know that you have to perform well because there's no walls around you and uh, mm-hmm. that's that's the oppressive side of the of the this kind of system like the the, the panopticon effect um mm-hmm. the panopticon was like this this type, and the peer type of pressure
0: the peer pressure mm-hmm. what time do you leave office when do you work? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Who are you
1: talking to? <laughs> I, I had some years ago a colleague that was extremely good at pretending she was working uh, at during lunchtime. And uh, I only found out that she was pretending like uh, months after I was working with her. She was incredible at it, you know, like in this <laughs> open space. <laughs> in this open space, she could stay with her back really straight and with a focused look. And, um, and eventually Se- I found searching out... Searching for that, flights yeah, to go on holidays. I yeah
0: think. Every, everyone <laughs> everyone knows, knows someone like yeah. maybe you you have done it you know uh, and it's okay exactly you can't be focused all the time uh, and you need to take care of all the other things in your life so um <laughs> we should stop pretending that we don't do that at, at work um, yeah
1: yeah and it's uh it's so interesting like yeah we can go forever in it about any any sort of uh,
0: Let let me just go yeah. back to the 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 separation between mm-hmm. work uh, spaces and leisure spaces and maybe we can mm-hmm. go to our uh closest example which was our father <laughs>
1: um hey, we didn't, so we didn't dis- disclose that yet, yet. Maybe i'm disclosing know
0: now no maybe oh, you well. notice that okay. me and luisa have a very similar voice so maybe in the world, she's the person who has a, uh, the voice most similar to, to to mine, and we have the same father that we at least that we, we know that. Uh, I mom. hope so, and the same <laughs> mom. <laughs> and uh, we we lived in a very peculiar um, time where our father were, was uh, well a business owner. We can say an entrepreneur as well, and he mm-hmm. was working from home literally when you were little, when I was little, and we also experienced the the workplace being our place as well as a family. Maybe you have more experience than that because you uh, you are older than me, but Mm -hmm. what was the impact that that had on your vision of workplaces? I can also share my opinion as
1: well. Yes. So I, I can so I think about it very often now when, when I'm I'm sitting with people that are designing mixed work and living environments, thinking about which functions can be separated or not, what is the friction between these two functions or not. I mean, and we had we grew up with an extreme example of this. So our, our father was working at home when probably very few people were doing so. <laughs> I think it was prior to like this 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 kind of concept, even and so my experience was that there was a kind of uh, an invisible wall. So we had the eating table at the dining room, right? And mm-hmm. there was a corner that was always taken for his office. So there was a pile of paper on one edge of the table that was his working spot. And there was a kind of invisible kind of capsule around that spot that we couldn't touch. No? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we all had to accept that kind of mess. And there was a kind of, uh, it's funny how, how the space uh, 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 expanded somehow to include that kind of function. It was like this since I remember, since I was really tiny. And when you growing up, you also saw it. And mm-hmm. then we, uh, our house became bigger because uh, the, the, we made some works in the an attic and then suddenly the business also grew. So our father had a construction enterprise and suddenly there were all these construction workers going up and down the stairs of this little building to reach the attic and have meetings there. And we also had neighbors, right? So downstairs neighbors was like three level uh, building with a bunch of neighbors. So I think it was a crazy conflict situation with these neighbors. It was so much noise suddenly. Uh, the, the workers would smoke in the stairs and throw like cigarettes on the floor. I don't know if you remember all these details. But it was I don't hardcore. remember. I don't. Yeah, yeah. And there were like conflicts, like payment day. Imagine payment day was like crazy line of people in the stairs. Like, um, and, I don't remember uh, it that. Very, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> now they're refreshing lucky, my memory. Tiny. Yeah, it was tiny. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you just cancel this from your memory. It can also be. It was not a hard. Yeah. I, was, I find yeah. it funny now, but back then was a bit insane. Um, so that's that's how we grew up, and uh, and uh, we could see how much that space was actually important for our father to build up a business. Yeah, in the end, it it did happen. He did manage. It was great. You know, eventually it grew enough to get out of the house and get a yeah get another proper space office. Outside, a proper <laughs> office. And uh, that was an amazing step, but he would have never been able to start his business if he wouldn't have such a patient uh, family somehow. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or if he wouldn't have been so stubborn to force us all into it. That's also maybe the truth. (laughs) We just couldn't, we couldn't defend ourselves from that uh, entrepreneurial (laughs) rage. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, I must think about that very often, and uh, and it's not a healthy thing. We should be able to provide this space for entrepreneurship. We need it so badly, not only to reach this kind of new economy that we all long for, that is more sustainable and fair for us all, socially and ecologically, but also because, and going back to the jobs that we have, Ines, like the, the desktop jobs, uh, intellectual production, um, a lot of people that have jobs of this kinds find no s- sense whatsoever in what they do. And that's and that's uh, a, a more popular thing to discuss nowadays than it was like three or five years ago. And that is a very interesting turn that we say, well, uh, we can speak about problems of the labor market for people that earn little and have like practical jobs that are unhealthy, but actually there are a lot of, also a lot of troubles to solve. Uh, for people that have good jobs, that earn well, uh, that are supposed to have a career, but yet in the end of the day, have no clue what they're producing and what for. And this mm-hmm. has a very, very strong emotional impact on people. So when this uh, this uh, uh, documentary came out in VPRO here in the Netherlands, I advise it here to our listeners. It's called Bullshit Jobs. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. has English subtitles, so you can follow it very nicely. And it's a very interesting documentary about the real value produced by certain professions. Uh, uh, in, in, in for others, like uh, we got, we all understood that during the pandemic, that uh, nurses and teachers and and distributors of of products earn very little and are extremely important for our society. And other jobs, consultants, uh, uh, financial analysts, and so on, uh, earn so well, so extraordinarily well, and have like a negative impact in our economic ec- ec- economy. Actually, it was it has been calculated. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a bit of a crazy balance and we feel it. And uh, and I think we can see that in the amount of burnouts around us. I, I know personally a lot of these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need desperately to find more meaning in what we do all together, because deep inside, even if we earn very good money and have a good job, we know that system that we're living in is not really healthy, fair. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, our body will tell us that even if we don't want to see it. And mm-hmm. so from a spatial perspective, from architecture and urban planning, uh, on a micro level of the building and a macro level on what is being planned and, and accepted by municipalities and built by municipalities, we have a word to say about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We have to be able to say, like, where where are we planning the working place of the future? Which kind of activities are we giving a space to in our cities or not? Uh, uh, is it fair that we are pushing certain functions away from the city? Is it good for us or not? Uh, I, I don't think it is. I would appreciate as an architect and urban researcher that next door we could also have a place where we can have a wood workshop and test uh, building building uh, technologies, for example. But mm-hmm. the way we are designing space in which the centres of city become a place of investment, of real estate investment, instead of like providing actually affordable room for everyone, is actually compromising on the long term the, the the health of our economy and so and let
0: let me ask yeah. you because this is this is such it can be such a high level decisions what and people sometimes feel a little bit alienated from uh, this kind of uh, decisions that are made by the governments mm-hmm. how can what can we do and in an individual level? How can we participate in this kind of decisions? How can we get involved to decide what's going to be the spaces uh, in our cities? Is there any way besides elections (laughs) that we can (laughs) participate in this kind of decisions?
1: I, I think on a small level, we can all of us be a bit more critical if we see that shops and working places are disappearing from our streets. We shouldn't celebrate just that everything is being transformed into housing, expensive housing now. Just because it's going to make it look prettier on the short run. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should be critical about that. Those working places are not only for uh, us now, also for our kids, our friends, you know, from, from generations to come. We should be critical about that. Uh, if we see that plans are being made to make a redevelopment of a certain area, and we see that there's only office places being planned there, when actually we need industry and manufacturing and many other functions, we should also be critical about that. And, so, and voting is still a very uh, powerful, I mean, it's is a powerful tool that we have in our hands in our democracy, right? But we have all of the other ways of doing this, having an opinion, sharing this opinion, talking with, about it with other people. And mm-hmm. if possible, not online, actually, physically. So see, like, if you come together physically with people, you can have a conversation about this and say, hey, do you think you really think that this is becoming a nice neighborhood? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Um, and for example, we are still doing On one hand, people already concluded that we don't need more office spaces. We have plenty of it. There are so many Mm. empty office places in the Netherlands now. Why why are we still designing more of that? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because it's a very good investment product. But it's taking up space that is extremely valuable in the center of our cities, while we need some other functions to be be placed there also. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, I don't know, we can all do a bit by at least opening our eyes to this. Uh, look
0: around and be critical about yeah. why is this for and uh, accepting yeah. that in a like getting together and discussing this in a in a local level involving being more involved with the, with the community uh, when you know y- if you can voice your your opinion maybe do it um, as you said uh, in a physical way or even write a letter sometimes it's better than just write a, a comment on Facebook, just complaining about something um, and taking action about what uh, what our yeah, cities are yeah. becoming. Mm-hmm.
1: To remember that it's it's up to us also a lot to define this, and so, uh, and that's we claim a working place, a physical working place. What you're saying, like, is accepting that we are asked to work more from home, more remotely. That we should be able to set up our own boundaries and claim space for our economy. Literally, we can do that. It's not only like we tend to see that, uh, for example, in, in my job, we have this expression that's called urbanization. And for some reason, we put, we associate this, this word urbanization with building up housing, when actually urbanization is a bunch of functions. Why do mm-hmm. we link to housing? It's like, it's like uh, housing is the only tangible function to speak about in public, because we all need a place to live. Yeah, but remember you also need a place to work. Even if you are told that you can work from home or from, from everywhere with a laptop, mm-hmm. you can, <laughs> but it's much better if you don't. Or and, to and relax
0: so, or to, to enjoy the nature or to you know to it, to play, to play sports. Yes, to, you need to go you need to cultural cultural it, events.
1: Yeah. And also that to claim also if you work in a profession that is being pushed more and more and more more away from the cities you also have the right to claim like what the hell do we have to, to travel now an hour to the outskirts to be able to have my garage i don't know i think uh, um it's good that we know that we are aware that we also have a saying about where the places for economics take place we, we have a saying about that and uh, for example but still even in my work it's very hard to find a perspective to address this very objectively so for example, my front of battle now a, a little bit is to uh, to speak about uh, uh, urban, you have in the Netherlands you have this very specific typology of places called business terrains, uh, where uh, working functions are placed and you cannot put housing there. So they're kind of little islands, little playgrounds, no? everywhere mm-hmm. in the country. You have like 4,000 of them throughout the whole country. And some of them are in the center of cities. Before they were in outskirts, but the city grew so much that they embraced embraced these places and they're in the middle of cities now. Well, Mm -hmm. but they are are a bit ugly and messy and so on and so on, yes. But at the same time, they're also amazing places for these kind of transitions now. Oh, the place is still affordable there. You still can make a lot of mess there, noise, uh, host a lot of functions that are needed in the city. And so, so it's very good that we reserve this kind of spot for an economic transition. And the front of battle now is that a lot of these places uh, are being transformed into housing uh, and housing developments, mixed mix housing and working. And so that sounds good because we say, well, of course we all want to mix housing with working places, right, it's much nicer. But this means that you have a certain type of work environments only with a very high price per square meter, with a very specific typology, you know, this office, traditional mm-hmm. office space.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and we
1: can, can we
0: can have more diversity, and this is what we need also yes, to, to, exactly. to generate ideas and to 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 invest in innovation, to have the circular economy that you mentioned earlier in this episode. Yeah. Um, this is what the future needs: this diversity of spaces and how to integrate them in the best way, and not being just one type of. Uh, space or building that only serves a certain kind of job or certain kind of people uh, and uh, the spaces must be inclusive this is maybe a a, a takeaway (laughs) that we
1: yes that's that's a takeaway i think so so uh, we are saying a lot of stuff in theory that we want a new economy we want this we want that but actually we are doing exactly the same that we did before we're excluding everything that is ugly and heavy and 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 cheap to the outside somewhere and noisy somewhere and and while it, for as long as we separate stuff like this, we will never invest in sustainable practices because we won't care what you don't see, you don't really care about. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's no way we're going to get a sustainable future if we don't able to embrace this, to mm-hmm. actually be able to, okay, uh, we need industry and we need to keep it here in Europe, in our cities, in our regions. How can we get, get it, get industry and work with it so well that it doesn't uh, harm our direct living environment and that's only only then innovative change is going to 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 occur to really, to really happen yes otherwise it yeah so that's yeah mm-hmm. that's a different message
0: yeah It it is, it is indeed. So I think this is also a beautiful place to wrap up our conversation Um, and we touched uh, in very important points and aspects regarding how space affects the way we work and what can we do also to be critical about it and what do you need in terms of uh, the future, what kind of future we want to build with our works and where do we work how do we work how do we collaborate to find better solutions to the problems that we have nowadays and i think you gave us a lot of insights about that and a new perspective about this this whole new topic and i know that you also advocate uh, on this in uh, in your job in your in conferences in talk shows and and it's interesting because we are sisters and i've been following your your work and i i'm really i really love what you do and i always it always made me proud Uh, and it was interesting that when you started to to have more public exposure actually we informally worked together in a in your voice and in your in your kind of you know way to present um how was for you to take tips from your uh, smaller youngest sister
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it was incredible i i I immediately started respecting so much your work, I'm, so I felt quite tiny. <laughs> it's like okay, now I, I have to learn from you now. Uh, this is really important, and uh, and it, it was not an issue at all. I mean, it just it was just easy for me to see how professional you were about this, and made me. I learned so much from you, from your book, and from the talks that we had, and you helped me in the desperate moments. I, I think you remember. <laughs> Yes. So I did, yeah, I did everything that is wrong to do, like calling far too late, like the day before, saying, haha, I have to make a presentation in Dutch <laughs> and similar stuff, uh, It was just horrible. And yet you managed to help me with a very calm voice. Um, I'm to, laughing like, a about the killer. <laughs> yeah, no, do no, this. because it's extremely... Don't do dimanche. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really good. And, and today I couldn't help... Thinking like oh oh I'm doing this, I'm doing everything wrong again you know I just I my voice when I sat down instead of doing it a bit before <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting I'm sitting in a little bench with my back all curved error number two I, oh my god so I I still have a lot to learn from you but you I are n- you are not my my me.
0: my best case study no I'm kidding I will, no, I will I- keep <laughs> helping you uh, <laughs> for yeah. free. No but I yeah. I I really like that that you that you were able to to ask for my help because uh, working with families <laughs> is sometimes challenging. But I really like to to see you taking the stage and to give voice to this uh, so important topic. and I, I am really looking forward to see you in more important stages to 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 create an impact in the decisions that you are uh, influencing as well in the ma- macro level. And I'm really proud of your voice as well. So you are my special guest, <laughs> and <I'm, laughs> I really want to thank you for for being here in this uh, podcast with me in these projects of mine that you support from the start. So thank you so much for that, and also thank you for inspiring me to be
1: who I am. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a pleasure, Ines. Thank you very much for this talk. Um, yeah, and so I, I hope I will speak more about this in other situations and. But I, I am going to ask your help. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> warning you. So, um, well, I'll speak to and you to, soon. Thank you very and, much. Uh,
0: and just one last question. If uh-huh. um, anyone wants to know more about you and your work, where can people find you?
1: Oh, in this website of the place that, yes, it's a Dutch website. It's not really helpful. Huh? But you have um, LinkedIn.
0: Maybe it's a more I have democratic. LinkedIn. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I usually publish things in Dutch also but it's a good way yes I have a LinkedIn Ana Luisa More, and um, I'll try to publish more things in English I think that's also perhaps such an international network actually that makes sense Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah that's that's a place to follow me for now yes and if you are following me
0: you can follow you can see that I'm in contact with you so we have the same surname Uh, so Ana Ana Luisa More, and uh, of course you will they will find you uh, for sure Luisa, thank you so much again and talk soon.
1: Yes, we'll talk
0: soon. <laughs> bye-bye, Ines. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. Did you like it? If so, feel free to spread the word. To discover more about vocal coaching, you can visit my website, voicepowerleadership.com or contact me through LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram.
1: And always remember, your voice matters.